Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of coming together around your word and the honor and privilege of being in the presence of faith people. For those of us that above all have taken the shield of faith, wherewith we quench all the fiery missiles of the enemy. Above all. And we thank you and praise you tonight for the word of the living God. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus for the anointing to stand in the office into which I'm called to rise up within me to bring forth this message of faith, this direction that you have given me for 2022. I praise you and thank you. You honor me by calling me and I honor you above all else. In the name of Jesus, I pray and believe I receive it. Amen. <clears throat> Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me get all my tools out here. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. You're going to have to get you a bigger desk here, Nancy. <laughs> You're going to have to get a Gloria Copeland. <laughs> Hank Kuhneman. <laughs> Hank. <laughs> when she was 14, she would get the ironing board and play like she was Gloria Copeland <laughs> preaching healing. And then, you know, they're in Omaha. And so he got one of those big podiums like that. Yes. <laughs> he put everything on it. He put his concordance up there and his Bible and everything so he could fill it up. And somebody said, well, what? Hank, why are you doing that? He said, Gloria fills it up. I'm going to fill it up. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Back, oh, several months ago, the word of the Lord came to me concerning 2022. Very distinctly, I heard it. It will be a year of correction, direction, protection, and perfection. For churches, families, governments,
these things cannot help but take place. If you're not correctable, you will get corrected. Now, first of all, two extremely important things are necessary for Christian success. Extremely important. Number one, you are a spirit like God is a spirit. And you have a covenant with God. Well, yes, sir, I'll do that. Thank you, Jesus. Second Thessalonians five. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold all fast, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calls you and also will do it. So say it with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a flesh body. I am a spirit. You don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. And you can locate people just but the way they talk about that. Body, mind, and spirit. No. Most people think the soul and the spirit is the same thing. It couldn't be. Because 
You find it right there and you also find it in the book of Hebrews. Anyway, <clears throat> to settle that and make sure that we know for sure what we're talking about. Now, let's talk about correction. Let's look at Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, one through four. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher or the developer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Stay on course. Jimmy Donaldson, are you here? Jimmy, stand up. Now you're a pilot. When you've started learning how to fly, did they teach you the E6B computer? Yeah, sure they did. There was no GPS. No, GPS, I mean, you know, go preach somewhere, I guess. But <laughs> no. Thanks, Jimmy. The E6B computer. It's a circular slide rule. And That's a picture of one. Now here's what I want you to hear. Altitude correction. Airspeed correction. On the back of this thing is a wind computer. This goes way, 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 way back. After December the 7th, 1941, United States Army Air Corps ordered 400,000 of these things. Correction. Now, Jimmy, let's say you're flying 200 mile an hour airplane. And you're just sitting up there fat, dumb, and happy and, and just not paying any attention to anything that's going on. You didn't check anything. You look for your computer. Oh man, I left it at home. <laughs> I don't know what the wind's doing. So you're 10 degrees off course. That's all. 
Just 10 degrees. Come on. Now, 200 mile an hour airplane for four hours. Now, a 200 mile an hour airplane at four hours, that's pretty close to the range of that airplane. He's 10, another 10 degrees off course. In four hours, that fella will be off course 133 miles, plus a little. Now he has a problem. And that's not to take into consideration the storms that come along the way that he has to go around. And he can get off out there and get lost that way. If he's over the water, he's in big trouble. Just because he wasn't paying attention and making his corrections. So then, now what does he have to have? He's got to have some direction. Quick. Now, what do I do? So I'm 10 degrees off course. Whoa, 130, nearly 134 miles. Now what do I do? Where's my chart? Oh no, where's my, I don't know where my charts are. Oh, oh, woe is me. So do I go back this way and get on course and then go? Or do I go directly from where I am now to my destination? He, he has to have some direction. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He's in trouble. That's right. Could be bad trouble. Yes. So stay on course. This book, this Holy Bible is a very blunt book of corrections and directions and course guidance. Of course now with global positioning system, hit the D button, hit direct. It has a little direct D like that with an arrow through it. Punch that. And there's the course. But you need to do that. You have to use the tools that you have. So, there are corrections and directions throughout this book. How do I get back on course? Now first, turn with me to Nehemiah. Now this tells us, this gives us direction, but it, it also 
shows us the goodness and the mercy of God. Nehemiah chapter nine, let's back up here and 14, made known unto them your holy Sabbath, commands them the precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, thy servant, gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to the commandments they and refused to obey. They refused to listen. They weren't listening. They're off course. They're just, just sitting there. Now, in the jet business, the greatest thing ever is the flight simulator. It doesn't fly very good. <laughs> Where concerning the Citation 10, which is the, the well, I, I flew the, uh, Jetstar simulator, which was a four in Lockheed four engine jet. <clears throat> and then the Citation 10, of course, a whole lot faster than that, than that Jetstar. And you get in the simulator, it is an exact replica of that airplane. Everything in there works just exactly right. It's computer driven. Now the, the real, <laughs> the real airplane, you can look away, you be, be even be hand flying it and look away and it won't go much. In that simulator, you look away and that thing liable to go upside down while you're just looking in the wrong room. <laughs> Got to make corrections. You have to make direct corrections. But listen to this. They refused to, to obey, neither were mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but hardened their necks and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But you are a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and forsook them not. He's not going to forsake you. So correction and direction, then how do I get back? Okay, let's go to Hebrews 2, 1. Read that 14th verse. 
verse 13 of the first chapter, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Earnest heed. Listen. 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 For the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation that that he's still talking about the ministering angels. which at first began to be spoken spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, with different miracles and gifts or distributions of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Now here here we are again listening. But we have what do you say? What did he say? Give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. These are covenant words. Those are corrective words. Yes, they are. And I've noticed this <clears throat> when you take a, a a panorama of the Bible, this covenant book, this book of covenants. And the, the, the big deal is the blessing. That's the big deal. The blessing of the Lord. Throughout the book. And the, 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 the correction is to, to keep one in that place of the blessing of God. To keep, to keep, keep that person oriented. <laughs> oh, a very, back in the day, famous country singer (laughs) in Nashville, Tennessee. (laughs) Oh, Lord. He was on a solo cross country and he didn't plan to get in there after dark, but he did. And so, and he's, he's in it, all the lights around Nashville and he couldn't find the airport. So he just clicked the mic and said, hey, Tower, this is so-and-so. They said, yeah, what can we do for you? Yeah. Well, he said, I'm lost out. I'm not in the dark out here. And, and I, I, I can't see the airport. So the controller said, 
turn to a heading. I don't know what it said. Turn to the heading of say 270. Because you, you back in those days, this was before transponders, and they would do a an identifying turn to pick you up on radar and separate you from someone else. So that you would do a uh, a turn. And they would say stop turn, turn right this and identify you. So he said. Um, Turn to whatever, 270. Don't give me none of that direction, mess. Just tell me to turn left or right. <laughs> he needed some direction. Yeah. <laughs> and thank God they had a radar in the tower. <laughs> and he said, okay, we've got you located. And he got on the ground safely. Praise God. <laughs> he really needed some help. Oh boy. So how do I get back on course safely? You have the book before you leave the ground. You have the book while you're in the airplane. You read the book when you get on the ground and you don't ever let it go. Yeah. Yes, sir. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So I can show you what happens First Peter two twenty four, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Well, but now wait a minute. There are some directions. And corrections. Yes. That's right. There's 23 verses before this. And nobody starts with wherefore. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, all evil speakings as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, 
I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, that he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumbled at the word being disobedient. Well, there you go. That would get you killed. Whereunto also they were appointed. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or a special people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that may be your good works, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Do you see that? For the Lord's sake whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors. Now, I don't care who is president of the United States. That's the highest office in the world. And he deserves respect. I pray for him. At each meal, every meal I take, I pray, Father, I am so grateful for this food. I receive it blessed and sanctified according to your word, according to thanksgiving and prayer. I pray for all of my partners all over the world that you bless them beyond measure. And I pray for this nation and the healing of this nation in the name of Jesus. And you're the one that knows how to do it. I pray for the president and the vice president in the Congress. According to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Praise God. For so is the will of God that with well doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the King. Servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. Proper respect. 
for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it? If when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even whereunto were you called, even whereunto were you called. He's not writing to preachers. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Hmm. who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for we were as sheep going astray but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. So somebody just jumps from Isaiah 53 to 1 Peter 2, 24. <clears throat> and then you don't get healed. Well, I don't understand that. Well, what do you think about the president? I don't even want to talk about that. Sorry. I don't care which party it's in. There's a problem. Correction. All this correction. Instructions of righteousness in covenant. All right, turn with me to Second Peter. Simon Peter, a servant or a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Same faith, the same precious faith that this great apostle has? Well, yes. What did we just read? Dum de dum dum dum. <laughs> Looking unto Jesus, the author of our faith. It's the faith of God. That's right. Wasn't Peter's faith, not my faith, not your faith. Jesus said, have the faith of God. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. If you just take those precious, exceeding great and precious promises. 
Look at that. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and excellence, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through human desires. Remember now. Blood back promises. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Now, how did Peter get his name. What did he say over there? Simon Peter. He used to be Simon Bar-Jonah. Now the name change in covenant God appeared to Abram. Your name shall no longer be called Abram, but Abraham. The H in the middle of his name in Hebrew, Hashem, the name. Yes. The name. The name. He changed his name. As for me, my covenant is between me and thee. That's right. So from then on, now in the King James Version. <clears throat> it's correct. And in saying that Abraham was the friend of God and capitalized it. That's correct. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It is a covenant friend. It is a blood joined man or woman. Because that friendship is sworn. Exceeding great 
and precious promises. Glory to God. That by these, you might become partakers of the divine nature, which is found in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. His name, the merciful name, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness, abounding in faithfulness, extending mercy to the thousands generation, extending kindness, forgiving iniquity. That's the divine nature. He is love. And these are love covenants. Thank you, Jesus. So, Thank you, Lord. I want to go now to protection Let's go back to the book of Hebrews again. Proverbs chapter three. The eleventh, twelfth verses. My son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Even as a father, a father the son in whom he delights. How do you spell disciple? Open your phone up to your dictionary and look at it. <laughs> Doesn't anybody in here know? Right. What? Disciple. Yeah. Yeah. How do you spell discipline? It's exactly the same thing. (laughs) Yes, sir. Now, in the 13th chapter of John, the night that changed heaven and earth, Jesus said in the 34th verse, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all shall know that you are my disciples. They were not apostles. Mm -hmm. That world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. My dad, one of my heroes. Oh, just, well, he is. I mean, I get talking about him, I miss him. But he, um, he disciplined me. 
Oh yeah. And I came around to his way of thinking. Yeah. And I became his disciple. And I followed him just as close as I could. The way he did things and, and what he taught me. He taught me so many good things. I mean, just little things that this doesn't sound like a whole lot. But my dad loved to swim. I loved to swim. I mean, I jumped in a mud hole, man. I just, <laughs> I just, I just would. And it's sometimes even out there in West Texas, you get a good rain, bar ditch would be running full of water. I'd say, Daddy, stop the car. I want to jump in that bar ditch. He said, now, Kenneth, don't you go jumping off in there. He said, take it easy now. You don't know what's under the water. So I'd take it easy and slop around down in that water. And little things. We went swimming together. I couldn't figure out how to dry my back. I still do it the same way. Take one corner of the town, take the other corner of the town. <laughs> there you go. There you got it. The little things that my dad taught me, I became his disciple. And he and I were just the best of friends. <laughs> oh, man. But he corrected me. And he directed me. And he protected me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> When I got to go travel with him was just, that was a big deal. And um, he, he traveled and uh, all, all of my life. And um, first with the Jones Business College in Lubbock and Abilene, he was, <clears throat> he had taken bookkeeping at uh, Jones in, in Lubbock and um, in fact, well, I keep going back and back. During the Depression, he never was without a job 24 hours because he and mother would pray. She told me, she said, Kenneth, I'd, I'd watch him just far as I could see him and just pray for him. Now, neither one of them knew how to pray in tongues back then. But she said, well, I just pray all day and he'd come home at night with a job. His dad had taught him to get up so early that nobody else is awake. So he went to a cotton gin and uh, you know, some of you city folk don't even know what a cotton gin is, but <laughs> well, the cotton comes out of the field. It's all nasty and dirty and got burrs and all kinds of things in it. And it, it goes in into a cotton gin 
and they, they shred it and get all the cotton clean and clean it so that there's no burrs or anything in it. And they get it just as clean as they can and then bale it. And you take a 500 pound bale of cotton and then it goes to the compress and they press it down so it can be hauled in a railroad car and get more of them anyway. So he just walked up in front of this cotton gin and just stood there. It's dark. He just stood there at the front door. And the man came and opened the door. He said, what are you doing here? He said, I came to go to work for you. <laughs> can you keep books? Oh yeah. I said, daddy, what you, you didn't know how to keep books. Well, now wait a minute. He said, my dad is really good at math. He said, if I can read that bookkeeper's ledger and follow his practice, it's a very simple thing. So then he decided he'd go to school at Drones Business College and really learn bookkeeping. And he did. And then he began to teach bookkeeping. He took penmanship so that you could read his writing and his numbers. Well, they came to him one day right at the, the depression is still on. And they said, um, we have two jobs. Well, my dad said, well, what are they? Well, there's one here in Lubbock with a guaranteed salary. He said, where's the other one? They said, Abilene, Texas, but it's commission only. He said, I'll take that one. So I was born on the 6th of December and six weeks later, I moved them to Abilene. And I said, dad, why did you do that? Listen now. I said, why did you do that? He said, because Kenneth, if I take the salary, they're going to keep most of it and give me what's left. If I take commission only, it's up to me how much money I make. He taught me to keep my mouth shut during a sale. He said, Kenneth, Samson killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. <laughs> and a thousand times that many more sales have been killed by the same weapon. <laughs> he was discipling me. Years later, 
I was flying the only time I ever heard the audible voice of God. Flying in late at night. And I heard this coming to you from the revival capital of the world. I looked down at my audio panel to make sure. Now, some people on that audio panel on the low frequency, you can push it down and pick up radio stations. And that's what that sounded like. I don't, I fly professionally. And I looked down there and checked my audio panel and it was right. And I thought, I know where the political capital of the world is, it's Washington, D.C. I know where the entertainment capital of the world is, it's Hollywood, California. I know where the country music capital of the world is, Nashville, Tennessee. Where is the revival capital of the world? I, I don't know, forget about it. I didn't think about it anymore. Then one of our board members called me. He said, Kenneth, there's a piece of property out here in Northwest Fort Worth I think you need to look at. All right. Well, we got out there and it was an abandoned Naval Air Station, World War II. Well, when I got out there, I recognized it because I knew, when I, since I went to high school, I knew it was out there, but I didn't pay attention to it. And so, just a barbed wire fence around the thing. And now I'm, I'm talking about my dad discipling me. And so I held the fence up for Gloria to crawl through it, and I stepped over it. The moment both feet touched that, then I heard it in my spirit. This is the revival capital of the world, and you're going to build it. I thought, what with? (laughs) So later, the Lord directed me to find out who owned it. It was a man by the name of Pewitt in the oil and gas business. He bought it out of the government, 1,520 acres. So we went to see him. He's a bachelor, never had married, big supporter of SMU, strong Christian man. So the man that was with me, I said, now, uh, just be quiet and I'll, I'll do the talking. I said, just, just be quiet. So we walked in there and walked in his house. His niece let us in. I walked in there. I said, Mr. Pewitt, my name's Kenneth Copeland. And um, the property out at Eagle Mountain. Uh, now I prayed and found out what to say. I said, the Lord has need of that property. He had a real 
tick-tock clock. One of those old ones that you had to wind up. Man's worth $300 million, but you had to wind his clock up. <laughs> and he'd sit there in his chair in that clock. <laughs> he said, well, it's for sale. <laughs> Just sit there and sit there and sit there. You want to talk so bad? But I learned driving Oral Roberts to keep my mouth shut because Bob DeWeese threatened me if I didn't. <laughs> Corrections. I said, sir, there's another thing you don't know. I don't have any money. <laughs> sit there and sit there. Well, you boys come back to see me. So we made an appointment and came back. I'm talking about the discipleship of my dad yes. to keep my mouth shut. Yes. Yes, so we went back at the appointed time. He said, Well, I'm going to see you boys through this thing. I said, Mr. Pewitt, another thing you ought to know. We don't borrow money. I don't think it's right to mortgage another man's property. And this property will belong to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Well, you boys come back to see. <laughs> Never smile. So he made an appointment, but this time he wanted to meet in a restaurant there in Glen Rose, Texas. And he wanted to bring somebody from the, from the board. Well, a man that was on our board at that time was in the real estate business. So I got a hold of him and he came. He said, I'm going to, he said, you got anything against rent? And I said, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> He said, I'm going to divide it into four equal parts. Now, all your rent will go to the fourth part. And when you can pay for a quarter, I'll deed it to you. Mm -hmm. There's no interest. 
And if God tells you to go somewhere else, all you need to do is give me two weeks notice. Well, we didn't, of course, we're still there. But anyway, my dad, the apostle, <laughs> so he turned around and he said, can you write that down just like I said it? Barry said, yes. And he said, just regular typewriter, just regular letter piece of paper. Typed it out just like he said. It came to five million um, and some, five, I think five million, eighty thousand dollars total. So he said in there, he said, does that seem satisfactory to you? I suggest sir, it does. So he handed it back to him and he said, now write that same thing again. I want to be the first donor and take $1 million off of the prize. He still hadn't smiled. <laughs> so Barry was rewriting this thing and he said, uh, now Portland Cement has been after me to sell them gravel off of this property. I told them they need to talk to you. <laughs> He's already. <dead. laughs> I told them they need to talk to you. I said, well, you mean after I, after I pay for it? No, no, son. John, sell some gravel. I've given you the mineral rights. Wow. <laughs> now in Texas, yeah. you can own a piece of property and not have the mineral rights and they can drill a well right on your place. <laughs> that little talking timer Leroy Thompson <laughs> in 30 days of glory had one of these. And he said, I want to give this you. I said, thank you, Leroy. And everybody clapped. <laughs> that just simply means I've preached long enough. We signed it the second time. And he laughed and he slapped that table and he said, you're going to be bigger than Oral Roberts one of these days. Well, I couldn't imagine that. But Oral Roberts didn't have a victory network. Nobody taught me how to preach. I learned how to preach watching Oral Roberts. 
I learned how to teach watching Kenneth E. Hagin, yes. listening to him. Come on. Yes. The two of them together. Yes. And I'm a whole lot like either one of them. I, I know how to get started. I have a hard time quitting. <laughs> My dad trained me and taught me. If he hadn't, I would not have been able to stand that driving for Oral Roberts. But I kept remembering what he said. Keep your mouth shut. And then Bob DeWeese told me. That's one of the first things he said to me. He was my captain. And he said, now Kenneth, this airplane is the reverend's sanctuary to protect the anointing. He can't go on the airlines. Too many people bothering. And he doesn't visit with anybody before he preaches in order to hear the voice of God. And We'd just be driving along. And he'd put something up in front of his face. And I don't, I don't think he's reading. He might have been. But just to, just to keep his attention. We were in Oklahoma City. Kenneth! Oh. I jumped. He said, people will always tell you you can't do it. But if you'll do these three things, you will be a success. Number one, find out the will of God. Number two, confer no longer with flesh and blood. Number three, get your job done at all costs. I couldn't wait to get somewhere and write it down. You find out the will of God first. You find and you seek, you seek God, not people. Now, when the Lord directed me to go on daily, the first thing I did is call him. And I said, and I told him what I think. And he said, Kenneth, let me tell you something about a daily. I thought, here it is. He said, it is so daily. I know it. <laughs> That's the reason I didn't want to do it. I was his disciple. He disciplined me. He told me what worked, what didn't. And I followed it. And then I became a disciple of Kenneth e. Hagin, and I learned the word of faith, not just faith. First, in watching Oral Roberts and watch him talk about faith and watch him work faith. And it struck me, he uses his faith like a mechanic uses a tool. He uses it on purpose. He, it's not just this slingshot. 
like you're just throwing mud at a wall and hope some of it sticks. And then I found out about this is the word of faith which we preach that if anyone will say with his mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe that God has raised him from the dead, he shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Changed glory in my whole world. Praise God. Praise God. Shall we just praise and worship the Lord? Would you just stand with me and let's praise and bless his name and thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we praise you and thank you tonight for the word of the living God, the word of faith. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Judgment comes. Judgment is the mercy of God. He would judge Israel before they were destroyed and move them into another place and move them around to keep them from just being totally wiped out. Their big problem was they didn't believe he loved them. And then now judgment has been turned over to the son. Disobedience will be judged. I have to use this as an example. My fear of going back to college I had tried to go to school and had two football scholarships and something was wrong. And I, I'd go into class and I'd, I'd start feeling sick in my stomach and, I, and I'd get out of class and it'd be all right. Now, I don't understand this. And um, And then I questioned the Lord about it. And, and of course I'd sign up for, for um, Air Force ROTC everywhere I'd go, where they had it. And I inquired of the Lord about it later. And he said, well, there were two things in, involved. One, I did not want you involved in those schools and start hearing socialistic teaching 
and get that in you. And, you, and, and then he said, and had you ever been commissioned in the Air Force, he said, it would have been hard to get you out of there and might, you might have died and never been in my will. Well, I didn't want to go back to school. I, under any circumstance, I didn't want to go. And it started coming up on the inside of me that I was to go to Oral Roberts University. First year of Oral Well, I was preaching in Houston, Texas for Hilton Sutton. And I had done considerable amount of singing there in that church. And um, during a meeting we, we were having there at the time. And so I, here's the way I put it. I said, Hilton, I think, I knew better than that. I think I'm supposed to go to Oral Roberts University. He said, Kenneth, I know that's going to be a wonderful school, but but if you will come here and take over the music department of this church, I can teach you anything that they can. There's my chance. Disobedience. So Gloria and I, our plan, no, no, no. My plan <laughs> was to leave Houston, go through Blevins, Arkansas, through Marshall, Texas, and tell Gloria's mom and dad that we were moving to Houston. Halloween night, 1966. And coming into Marshall, I was driving a Buick Riviera. Came up over this hill. Back there then, I was disobedient. I mean, I drove. I broke the law all the time. That's wrong. Now, top this little hill, I just took my foot off the accelerator and just drifted down the hill two-lane highway than it did like this. And there was a, a signal light, a caution light on my side and a blinking red light on the other side. And just this Ford station wagon was sitting there. I thought, well, he's waiting for me. I just, and I got here, he just drove out in front of me. I hit him. I hit him, my wheel is turned all the way to the right. I hit him like this. The two cars banged together, knocked him across this way, and the car that we were in slid like this and went nose down into a bar ditch like this. Well, this is before airbags. Anyway, of course I called my mom and dad and they were coming over to pick us up. They put us, 
Now John wasn't but four months old and he was on a pillar. And first thing I did, of course my side was all damaged and I, I hit that door and got out of it, went around to the other side, which wasn't damaged at all, opened the door over there. Gloria had all the symptoms of the flu. And so I pulled her out. Kelly was in the back seat, took her out on that side, came back around there and found John on, on the floor down under the seat on my side. So I pulled him out. Well, we got to the hospital and the doctor on duty that night was an orthopedic surgeon. So he wrapped John's, John's arm was broken here and four ribs were broken loose in his back. He said, Mr. Copeland, he's a little baby. He won't move. When you, you just put him on his stomach and he won't move. He's too small for a cast. And I just put that ACE bandage around. He said, it'll heal, but he won't move. I went out there the next morning and looked at that car where Gloria's head had hit that dashboard right here. There was a half moon dent in that dashboard. I kept realizing and knowing that there was damage there. But anyway, finally I asked Dr. Avery Jackson, he's a neurosurgeon on our, on our board. I asked him about it. I said, do you think she had a concussion? He said, no, brother Copeland. She had dramatic brain injury. He said it should have ended her life. Well, when I got, I had some pain here. Well, I got out there and looked at that car. The steering wheel was wrapped around that the steering column. I was a little sore here in the chest. It should have killed me. It should have killed her. It should have killed John. When I looked at that, he came across the gear shift and that and rooted that, that gear shift out of the console. Judgment came. But thank God we live. Now I had a hard time with that because it was my fault. Gloria was just willing to go, you know, wherever and just, I mean, her unconditional love is what brought me into the kingdom of God. I like to got everybody killed. Judgment came but the mercy of God saved our lives. The way the devil had that plan was to leave Kelly an orphan. This ministry would never have existed. And so the next morning, 
My dad and I went over there and looked at that car and I, it just ran cold chills all over me. It, I, it's amazing that anybody got out of it alive. My dad said, Kenneth, you know, your mother and I are partners at Oil Roberts Ministry. I said, yes, sir. He said, and you know, from time to time they have seminars and so forth there on campus. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, uh, we got an invitation, but a funny thing, we got two invitations. Would you like to go up there with us? I said, oh yeah. <laughs> the 24th of this month, that will be 56 years ago. And it changed everything. I didn't obey. Judgment came. But thank God for his mercy. Because the devil tried to wipe us out. Father, thank you tonight. And anyone in the sound of my voice has never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your time. This is it. Don't turn him away. Oh, but Brother Copeland, you don't know what I've done. No, but I know what Jesus did. And Jesus himself said, Anyone that comes unto me, I will for no reason cast him out. No reason. I've preached in jails and prisons and lots of places. But Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me. Isn't that good? Yeah. So right now, just pray this with me. Oh God in heaven, I believe with all my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. Come into my heart. Live on the inside of me. Be my Lord and Savior. I accept your word by faith. I believe it. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you are the Lord Christ. Fill me now to overflowing with your precious Holy Spirit. Just like you did on the day of Pentecost. And I fully expect to speak in a language I've never learned. A prayer language. A praise language. 
that's beyond my understanding. I receive you, Jesus. You're a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You're a gift to me. And the Holy Spirit is a gift to the church. I receive the gifts tonight. So just take a deep breath. And as you do, just know in yourself, I'm receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Just praise him. Praise him in the spirit. The great apostle Paul said, what is it then? I will pray with my understanding. I will pray with my spirit. I will sing with my understanding and I will pray with my spirit. And he said, I speak in tongues more than you all to the church at Corinth. Correction is a marvelous thing. It's a precious thing. Don't despise the correction and don't let the word chastisement throw you. That's just an old English word for discipline. But we're disciples. We're eager to learn. We're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his disciples. Now, when did they become apostles? After Jesus was raised from the dead and he upbraided them because of their unbelief. He wasn't smiling at them when he said it. Go ye! into all the world and preach the gospel. To who? Every creature. That means your dog, your cat. (laughs) Every creature. Amen. Amen. These signs shall follow those that believe. In my name, they shall speak in new tongues. 
we just did. We got back what they lost at Babel. And we got it back supernaturally. Speaking in other tongues is the gateway to the supernatural. There's no way that the earth and its inhabitants can understand why people would want to speak in a language they never learned. It doesn't make any sense to them because they can't see the Spirit of God. And they have fear and anxiety about the things that they can't see. But I said to my own disciples, he not only with you, but shall be in you. For it's more expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, the standby, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener will not come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And greater works than I do shall you do. Because I go to the Father. Someone is receiving healing in their kidneys right now. It just seems like you just, if you, that's one of the first things that happens when you move over in that area. Healing comes. Healing comes. Sinuses are being healed. Glory to God. Don't have any fear of this COVID thing. Don't be afraid of that thing. It had already been over a long time ago if the government hadn't gotten involved in it. It's the flu. I believe before the end of this year, because of some things that the Lord has been talking to me about, particularly these four things, that there are going to be some things before the end of the year that are going to take place that you and I both know it should have happened a long time ago. This thing should have been over a long time ago, long time ago. There's just been too much money in it. And after they squeeze all the money, all the masks and all the money and all the vaccine, the experimental drugs, all they can squeeze out of it, the last billion dollars they can get out of it, and it'll all be over. It's the flu. The doctor that treated President Trump I watched an interview online 
with the rabbinical leadership in Jerusalem. And he said, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I absolutely know for sure. He said, this is a synthetic virus. That's the reason it doesn't act like other flu viruses. It's a very weak virus. It was designed to attack the lungs. And somebody finally broke the rules and did an autopsy. Think of such audacity. Wasn't it a German doctor, David, that did that autopsy? And he said, it crystallizes the lungs. But still, it's under the curse. It's under the curse. And we have been redeemed from the curse. Spirit, soul, body, financially, and socially. When do I come back, Pastor? No, I'm, in, I'm talking about tomorrow. Huh? Tomorrow morning? I'll be here. <laughs> Jesus will be here. Spirit of God will be here. I was in Jamaica and, and uh, Deacon Lewis was there. And Deacon Lewis was the only one with a flashlight. And so I talked to Deacon Lewis and uh, I said, sir, someone told me you quit your job to be in these meetings. Oh yes, Baraco plan. <laughs> I said, why did you do that? Oh, brother Copeland, I can take what you taught me. I'll get a better job. A lot of things happened while we were there. Maybe the Lord will in, instruct me to share some of it with you. Amazing. Well, Nancy, you better take this away from me. I, I don't know what to do. I'll see you in the morning. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.